Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin were presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests on the Goodyear Hotline. Greeny to follow in one hour on many of these ESPN radio stations. He'll be on the air at 10 a.m. Eastern. You can listen to that on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. So let's get right into it because I don't want to delay this or belabor this in any way, shape, or form. Every Eagles fan is weighed in on what Doug Peterson did on Sunday. Every Giants fan is weighed in on what Joe Judge has said and their reaction to Peterson. And every Washington football team fan is saying, I don't care, <laughs> we're in the playoffs. That leaves the only other team in the division that hasn't weighed in yet. And that, of course, is the Dallas Cowboys. Michael <laughs> Irvin, a legend for the Cowboys. He is the playmaker. He was known as the playmaker. And listen to this. He ain't playing around, Joe Judge. I don't mind fans doing what they do because that's what a fan is. That's a fan's outlet. That's the only answer a fan has is allow his voice to be heard. But if you are a damn player, you had 16 times to make a statement. Shut your mouth right now. If you didn't do it during this season, shut up talking about Philly didn't do you a favor by winning the damn game. When you had 16 damn games, you could have made a statement then. Shut up, please. <laughs> that was Michael Irvin on Damon Ratto and Kolsky on 95-7, the game out in the Bay Area. Key? What happened to them Cowboys in that game, Zubin? Oh. <laughs> Jay referencing the Giants taking care of business on Sunday afternoon, only hoping the Eagles could take care of business for them Sunday night. Key, what do you think? Mike's right, though. Win enough games and you are in the playoffs. You win the division. You don't have to rely on the Philadelphia Eagles and Doug Peterson and whoever else was out there playing to win the game to get you in. It's It's simple. But but you could try to camouflage it and turn it into the integrity of the game, and I wouldn't do that if if I'm here long enough. We'll see if you do that when your team is sitting at fourteen and two, or or trying to, or sitting at thirteen and one and clinch the division, and you, you got an opportunity. We'll see if you do that at that point. I understand you coached in New England, and it's the New England Patriot way, but I can guarantee you there are certain players on New England's team that set out at times when they didn't have anything to play for. They've done that before. All coaches do that. It's part of the game. But but I guess he felt like the Philadelphia Eagles, even though they, they said early on certain players were not going to play, and then they went into the game playing Jalen Hurst and then said to themselves, we want to, you know, take a look at some other players and other situations in the second half and the fourth quarter. They emptied the bench. There's no difference in that game against the Washington football team in a preseason football game. Same thing, nothing to play for. Nothing to play for. I'm not helping you. Win more damn games. <laughs> Period. A couple things. Number one, I would never sit at a podium and say something like that. I think it came across as him being holier than holy. That's not the way I would conduct myself. But I also say this. We sometimes, we always want athletes and coaches to be their real selves, right? Be them real selves. And what I do like about it is the fact that he backed his players. He backed his players. Now, I would not have done that publicly. 
I would have done it more behind closed doors. But when you see the slew of all these Giants players tweeting about it, being angry about it, he backed his players. Now, that's not going to translate into the Washington football team not making the playoffs all of a sudden and the Giants making the playoffs. They missed the playoffs. They had chances to make the playoffs. They did not capitalize on that. But what I do like is that it feels like this is a different Giants team that feels like they belong. They didn't win games to belong, but it feels like they felt like they belonged. And we all know that Giants fans and the Giants don't like the Eagles. And it just it increases the rivalry. And going into next season, I can't wait to see these two teams play. That, that's, that's cool. It, it does, it's a rivalry. They ride up the road from each other. It's fine. They play twice a year. I get all of that. I, I understand all of that. But when you start saying it's a slippery slope when you start saying that people are doing things and it's the integrity of the game, it, 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 you start to – you start to cross the lines that you shouldn't cross because lines? there are t- – well, do you think Mike Tomlin, for instance – I'm going to just use Mike Tomlin as an example. Do you think Mike, Tam- Mike Tomlin disrespected the game when Ben Roethlisberger did not play in the Cleveland Browns won and they're now in the playoffs? Do you think that Mike Tomlin, two-time Super Bowl appearing head coach, one-time winning – has never been a sub-500 football team or below, do you think that he has done anything to the integrity of the National Football League? That's what I'm going to ask you, no, Mr. No, J. Will. No. Okay, thank you. You may but, go ahead now, Zubin. Go ahead, Jay. Oh, no, I was just going to – but, Key, you, I agree with you, but you, you have to at least look at it a little bit. If you're looking at this from a, just a fan perspective, and I'm not saying it's correct, Right. But the way Doug Peterson did go about doing that at the end, it, it, it's just not the way he went about doing it because it happened. And I get that play, coaches do this, right, if that's a strategy. I, I think it was almost the fact that players, even on the Eagles bench and on the field, look confused as to what's going on. I, I think that was the part that was maybe they bit- just maybe may, Maybe they just not smart enough to get it and understand it because I clearly sitting at home. As soon as it happened, the first thing I said, and I may have texted you and some other people, as soon as I said, I'm like, oh, yeah, they trying to, he's getting ready to lose this game so he can get a better draft slot. You move from nine to six. It's not helping the Giants. It's helping the Philadelphia Eagles organization. The ninth pick versus the sixth pick. How much capital is the sixth pick worth to other teams across the league trying to get up to get a player they may covet? Yeah, Key, I'm, I'm with you. I never disagree with you on that. It's not a it's not a smart strategy. I've said that every single time. I, I just I think where you and I end up disagreeing is just the way that Doug Peterson goes about it, the way he communicates that to people, oh, and the yeah. slight arrogance that he has. I know you don't care, but you care about the way Joe Judge communicates how he feels that he got slighted to the public. Because That's where- because it, it, Jay will I've been a guy that have set when we've already clinched something. And if you're telling me that you're throwing games when you're doing this or you sit in players so therefore you're tanking and all of these sort of things, then yes, it, to me, you're now questioning my integrity as a former player that have set out when we've clinched something and had nothing to play for. That, 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 that's why I'm like, what are you talking about? Let's see what happens when the Giants get put in the position. We had Dan Graziano on earlier. He talked about the Giants organization when they went away from Eli Manning. 
to get ready for the future. Uh, you sit players in this league all the time. I, I, I get it. It's, it, 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 just, it, it's, it's just, you know, listening to, to Kelsey, their center, before talk about how he felt about the game, how he felt the way the game should be played, watching Jalen Hurts the, looked at him. Man, you can always find a few outliers, Jay. I can find a dude or two or three, four different dudes that's going to side with certain situations on teams up and down the National Football League. There's no question about it. I hear and last couple of things internally, obviously, this is such a huge issue on Sports Talk Radio and the fans and the newspapers and everybody. But if Joe Judge is sitting there at 14 and two, he'll gladly walk up to the podium and say, ain't a big deal. We're 14 and two. We're on the cusp of the Super Bowl. So he would love for that scenario to come out quickly to Key's point. Mike Tomlin sat his starters on Sunday against the Browns. The Chiefs essentially did the same thing against the Chargers. So those two teams essentially, quote-unquote, broke the spirit of the rule, Pittsburgh more egregiously, because it actually helped Z- Cleveland get in. Go ahead, Jay. Okay. Then why, why play anybody the whole game? It's just a question. Because you got to have some players. But, some- wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me finish. So Pat Mahomes didn't play. You talk about Ben Roethlisberger didn't play the whole game. So why even, why even start Jalen Hurts? Well, because like, – Why? Even, why? Because that's Just you want to get some work. It's like, like oh, I said, okay. like I said, it's like preseason. That's a preseason. We're gonna treat it like a preseason. Why? But my thing is treat it like preseason. Just don't play at all. Let me ask just, you this just, question. Just let me, let me ask you the beginning. Let me ask you this question, Mister Naismith. Okay, let me ask you this: Why not win enough games? You don't even have to have these conversations. I'm not. I'm not. I'm stop with the stop key. Stop trying to use the argument with the Giants. I'm just I'm not, saying. I'm not talking about the Giants. Who can care less about the Giants right now? I'm just asking you a question. If if you're if you're truly tanking a game, if that, if you're going into the game, why even risk getting Jalen hurt? Hurt. He why needs even risk the, being? You, he needs the work though. He has the whole offseason for the work. You're not yeah, one game. You, he needs. You, he you, needs three you, quarters. You, he you, needs three quarters of work. Him, you're gonna give him some work. You give him oh. some work. Yeah, so give, the third, give, give the third string quarterback all the work then for the whole game and just lose the game. Because you only your got, starters, you remember you only got then, two quarterbacks up. Then, then don't play Zach Ertz. Don't play Zach Ertz. You can't play. not play everybody, man. You got to pick and choose they're who ba- you're going to play. They're backup players that could play, Key. Come on, man. You don't have to play <laughs> you, your star players if you're not trying to win the game. You only got so many people. If you play the wrong guy, you know, sometimes when you play the backup, the backup will get certain people hurt. It's just it, it, coaches do it. Every coach does it different. That's all. Every coach does it different. It's amazing. This story continues to percolate. We got six playoff games this weekend, and this, this story about two teams that aren't going to make the playoffs is dominating the conversation. Lastly, I would just say within the realm of the Mahomes situation, win or lose, the Chargers weren't going anywhere, so that situation is just man, a I'm little bit different. Man, I'm not playing Patrick Mahomes. Of course Why not. are you such a Doug Peterson apologist, <laughs> man? It's I don't understand. It's not a freaking Doug Peterson. I don't know you Doug are. and don't care. I'm it giving you, like you guys what happened. Okay, birth. Doug Peterson, you screwed up. You're the worst. They should fire you. Is that better for you? Does that help? Does that make <laughs> you feel that. good? I just no, I'm not going to do sports talk radio. I'm giving you facts, and I'm telling you why he did it. I'm not going to play radio, Jay. I'm not doing that. I'm not playing radio with you, Key. We disagree here. This is not being. But what makes media. you say that I'm a Doug Peterson apologist? I don't care. I'm okay. just giving. I am not an Eagle fan. I can care less. I am not invested in the Philadelphia Eagles. I am simply just trying to give you the insight. That is all, buddy. That is it, buddy. And yeah, buddy. <laughs> 
Hard to tell these guys are buddies with the passion this morning. That's for sure. For more, let's head to the. I don't uh, like that guy. Let's head to the. He's good, the worst. He'll be all right. He'll be right. You, just, you, you know, know once upon a time, you know, Jay Will was three of twenty-four from the field. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I probably wear a lot of games like that. Actually, let's go to the Goodyear Hotline to welcome in Lorenzo Alexander. Uh, he spent 13 years in the NFL. He spent a lot of time. He started his career with the Washington football team. We can get into them and all the residual effects. And, of course, he also played for the Buffalo Bills, who have a huge spot here this weekend. Uh, good morning, Lorenzo. We'll get to everything with the Washington football team and your beloved Bills here in just a second. But um, I might I might regret doing this because it might bring back more from uh, Key and Jay here. But what do you make of the Joe Judge situation? I ask you that gingerly. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's it's hilarious. I mean, just to hear uh, Key talk, nothing as much as What's changed. up, little daddy? What's going on? You know, I, me and him was in the same locker room when he was in Carolina when I was a young boy, young buck trying to figure out how to play the game. Nothing much has changed uh, from Key as far as how he was in the locker room and now how he's doing sports talk radio. So it's <laughs> it's refreshing to hear, and it's, 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 it's uh, it brings back fond memories. But um, I was I would say that, I mean, I don't have a – the sentiment of what Joe Judge was saying – I I understand and I get as a player when you're on that field, you're trying to win the game. You don't want to disrespect the game. Um, but it really doesn't matter. And I think he's been saying, win enough games to get in and you don't have to worry about allowing somebody else to control your destiny. Now, as far as Peterson, I don't have a problem, you know, the organizational, the future, what they're trying to do versus win now, guys in that locker room who may not even be there for the future. And that's always a battle, especially when you're in these – the weird situations where you're not going to be in the playoffs and there's, there's really no hope for you playing a game that doesn't matter. And so you have to find that, 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 that line where it makes sense. I don't, I have, the problem I had is the way he explained it. Instead of just saying right. what kids say, hey, we wanted the sixth pick. They, they, well, we're out here trying to win the game. Really? You weren't trying to win the game. Because even though we know uh, Jalen wasn't playing that well, he gave you the best chance to win that game, especially when you start naming why those other guys – Hertz, uh, Slay, all these other guys. Brandon was out there playing. Um, and then you say, well, I was trying to win the game, so I put Nate Sudfield in, and he had two turnovers within the first four or five plays that he was in. Why not yank him back out and put Jalen back in if you're trying to win the game? Just say that. I'm, I'm, no, that's, no, that's my point. I think that's yeah. laughable, man. I think right. that's laughable. Right, and, and that's the issue I had with it. We, we know you were tanking, and it's fine. I get it. I mean, you want to have better draft capital for your future. You know, that was probably a GM owner coach decision to do it just just say but, that don't lie below and communicate daddy. with your players too about it because everybody on the sideline looked dejected and didn't understand it low daddy being an nfl pa executive and vice president you know that you cannot admit to doing that hey you cannot admit to doing that so you have to say something even though we know like i said i sat at home as soon as it happened i said oh he moved he's trying to move up in the draft he can't say it he can't say it. He can be fined. They can be draft picks taken away. He can't say it because the league does not want that taking place. I understand that. But what he was saying didn't make sense either. So, <laughs> can't, I mean, what, <laughs> what else he going to say? <laughs> you have to say it. It, didn't make, it didn't make sense. It, it, it doesn't make It's too blatant. I mean, and for the league to say, okay, so all he now he has to do to cover himself and say, I wanted to win. Well, we know you're lying. That's that's what I'm saying. It doesn't add up. Well, you know we if know you're gonna have lying. it one way. I, we all know that. That's what I'm saying. That's that's why it doesn't make sense. Okay, you can tank, but as long as you don't uh, say it verbally, that that doesn't make sense either. Let me ask you. We can all you, see uh, your actions. 
Let me ask you about Chase Young. Chase Young was caught saying that he wanted to get at Tom Brady after their big win over the Eagles. How do you feel about the rookie making that particular statement, having been in the locker room on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, well, yeah, I'll be saying, man, don't 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 rile up Tom. You know, there's certain guys in the league that you just don't want to rile up, but. Knowing who he is and the type of player he is, that's just his personality. And it wasn't even a, a disrespectful comment. He's just ready to go out there and ball. He's all ball all the time. And if you ever watch this young man on the sideline, I mean, he's on the sideline, you know, resting in between series, and he's up yelling at the offense, juicing up, yelling at the opposing defense. He's just always engaged. And so he's probably so excited, especially, you know, uh, you know when you think about Washington and, and, and the view of – we had them starting the season. I mean, playoffs wasn't in the in the midst for them, and that they've per, uh, persevered over so much. He's just ready to go play out, and he know Tom Brady's over there, and he's going to be one of the guys that's going to have to be able to impact or uh, impact uh, Tom on a daily basis or at a down to down basis in order to win that game. Well, do you think the the Washington football team has enough defense? Do you think they can actually get to Tom Brady and hit him and and actually have a chance to win this game? I mean, that's their only chance because of their defensive line. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to hold up on the back end to make Tom hold the ball long enough when you think about the weapons that Tom Brady has. You know, they do have Fuller, who's played against Tom when he was in Kansas City and and won't be shell-shocked, but they do have some young guys on that back end still that's going to be enamored by probably Tom Brady, and I think that's where a lot of guys lose those one-on-ones. But back to the D-line, if those guys up front – and Chase Young and Montez Sweat, yes, I, they can ball. But the, if, if those, the bell cows of the defense on, I think they play Saturday, have to be those defensive tackles. When you think about Settle, Payne, and Allen, those guys have to dominate that game because Tom Brady loves to climb the pocket, B-gap to B-gap, and that's where he does all his work and his damage. He's not going to really get outside. He's going to step up and allow his tackles to push those ends around. But if those guys can get uh, penetration in the Washington defense D-tackles, he may have a long day because those are the only times you've really seen Tom be, you know, human-like is when he's bothered, <laughs> um, when people are at his feet, when people are constantly hitting him, when you think about the Giants, when you think about the Eagles, when they beat him and they stopped him on that fourth quarter when he normally is dominating people. It was that defensive line that really stood up and really gave him an issue all day. Lorenzo Alexander, NFLPA Executive Committee Vice President, joined us here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Uh, how confident are you and Alex Smith that he can get the job done against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and bring that W to the Washington football team? Yeah, Alex has been a great story. Obviously, we all saw the, the bad injury and his road back to it. And I, he's been a breath of fresh air. He's, I think, done really well for this young football team and getting the ball out on time and helping them move the ball down the field. But he, a couple of weeks ago, he nicked his the, his calf on the same leg that he had all those surgeries on. And I, and I have a little experience, nothing to that extent, but I had tore my list, Frank. And the hardest thing for me was when I was coming back was when I nicked something else and I sat down for a little bit, so in between series or at practice when you are, you know, kind of you're in between the defenses up and they're going, your body has a tendency, especially being older, has a tendency of cooling down. And what I noticed last week is he came out, they was on fire moving the ball, but as the progression of that game uh, took place – it seemed like he was getting stiff. He couldn't push off. He wasn't as mobile as he was when the game first started. And that's where I uh, have some concern. You know, I think he'll come out, be hyped up, be ready to go. But the obviously the attrition of the game, will he be able to still be as dominant or as warm or as loose as when it starts? And so that's where I'm kind of iffy. Mentally, 
from a, a wisdom standpoint, he's going to have the guys ready. He's going to be ready. But will his body hold up to allow him to go out there and do his job at a high level? That's going to be the issue. Knowing that Ty Bowles is going to try to light him up and make it, you know, life miserable for him. Um, and so, and, but one thing that he does need to do is make sure he doesn't turn the ball over like he had two last week um, because that's, you know, anti-Alex Smith in just the way he plays quarterback. Lorenzo, we have one minute left. Todd Bowles, of course, the Bucks defensive coordinator. You're right. We'll see the Bucks and the Washington football team Saturday night. The first game of Super Wild Card Weekend is the Colts and the Bills. You spent plenty of time with the latter. This is maybe their best team in a quarter century, maybe going back even further than that. How far do you think they can go? I retired a year too early. I mean, that's <laughs> you know they, 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 they really have a legit chance of going all the way. I mean, they just built – Defense has really come on here of late, and that's what's going to, I think, be the X factor for them because offensively they're in the same realm as Green Bay and Kansas City. They just have so many weapons. Diggs, you know, John Brown is back. Hopefully they get Cole Beasley back. They got Devin Singletary, Zach Moss. Obviously the ascension of Josh Allen. I mean, he's increased his accuracy. Um, he's broke Jim, both Jim Kelly's records, season, season passing, as well as touchdowns, and he's really coming to his own, especially mentally. I think – the, his first two years, the game would get too big and he would try to do too much. This year, when that happened, he was able to get his come back into himself, back into his, his body and, and play within the game. And then at the end of the season, you rarely saw any mental hiccups. And so I'm just really proud of the maturity of this team. And I guess I had to get out the way for these guys to grow and, and be great. But I'm, I'm definitely going to be uh, cheering them on. And I'm really happy for, for Bill's Mafia and what that city is all about because they deserve it because they're, they're ultimate fans. Yeah, man, you was a progress stopper. You had to move on out of the way. <laughs> come on, come on. No, no. Jeez. Think about it. Low Jeez. Daddy was in the locker room with me and Steve Smith. Yeah. Is Think that right? That, that trifecta. <laughs> hey, listen. Well, Go ahead, Keith. No, I was going to say good luck to everything, man. Thanks for joining us. Oh, yeah, no, I appreciate you guys. See you around. Excellent. You know, Josh Allen, right, he said he was trying to do too much, and now he's turned out to be too much for the opposition, and he's done a great job in his post-football life. That, it, it and, and the thing is, I call him a progress stopper, Jay Will. That's that's an NFL term for guys that are just, you know, they're so they still good and they can still play the game, but they're in front of guys that can play that's younger, and if you don't retire, get out the way, those guys will never get on the field. There you go. So he walked away Key, in 20. I wish you can take us back to that locker room moment with you steve smith and low all together i'm dying to hear those stories yeah no nah, you don't want to hear all right that'll be an off-the-air conversation yeah, yeah you don't want to hear those so lorenzo <laughs> walked away in 2019 we'll see if the 2020 bills can in fact do what he says and go super super deep bills haven't been to the afc championship game since 1993 Keyshawn, j will and zubin the podcast Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
It is a pleasure to welcome in Mel Kuyper Jr., of course, the NFL Draft 2021 style in Cleveland in late April. But uh, Mel, on a night in mid-January, tell me what an incredible performance, a back-to-back incredible performance could do for Justin Fields' stock NFL-wise. Uh, great to be with you guys. Happy New Year. I because obviously, with, you know, coming off the injury, that's the thing. When I think, how is he going to play with that injury sustained on the Skalski hit? Uh, just getting through that game and making the throws he did elevated him up back into that stratosphere of round one. Not ahead of Trevor Lawrence, but certainly right in the mix uh, to be a guy that certainly a team picking early would have to think about. I'm talking about the Atlanta Falcons picking at four. Uh, you know, you want to trade into where the Jets are picking at two. If you're moving forward with Sam Darnold, it, it put him back into that discussion, and I think it put him ahead of Zach Wilson. There was a lot of people that were making that kind of knee-jerk reaction, that overreaction to the Northwestern game and putting Zach Wilson ahead of, of Justin Fields. Well, that was premature. Wait until after this game and then the Alabama game and see what happened. And he delivered big time. He needed that yeah, probably as much as any prospect I've evaluated in the last 15, 20 years. He needed that game to make up for what we saw against Northwestern and going back to the Indiana game. Mel, it sounds like that you have Trevor Lawrence at one, and if that's so, why is he still remaining at one after watching Justin Fields play against uh, Clemson last week and do what he did? You know, I think uh, you know, key, it's always when you go into a game and it's a body of work, and it's over the last three years what Trevor did even as a freshman. And you'll go, we'll go back to what the LSU game, say, oh, what happened there with Burrow and now Field. But it's it's over those three years. How did you evaluate that quarterback? And then Justin Fields was last year and, and this year, and it wasn't that many games, and he did have the struggles against Indiana and Northwestern. Now, Northwestern, he didn't have Olave, uh, who was a key element to that offense. And, of course, then they bounced back and played phenomenal against Clemson. Now, they were they – were dominated. Clemson was dominated by Ohio State in the trenches. Offensive line, defensive line for the Buckeyes got the best of the Clemson Tigers. That will not happen against Alabama on Monday night. So we'll see. And he's not going to be 100%. But I think based on this game, Key, it, it got him back up to that second spot. And I was even saying, okay, is it Zach Wilson? Is it? I wasn't going to make that move, but I'm still you know, <laughs> you know, back and forth there. But I think a lot of people had Key made that move. Todd McShay, Todd made that move. He put Zach Wilson ahead of Justin Fields, okay? So what Justin needed to do was get back up into that second spot. Now, so he's not going to catch Trevor, but he, there were people thought, I had people tell me, oh, he's not even a first-round pick after the way he played. How can you take that guy in the first round? Did you watch the Northwestern and Indiana game? I had people screaming at me about, how can I even put him in the first round? So now all of a sudden, uh, it silenced those critics. It shut them up. Now we got him back up, but where I had him on the big board going into that game was at number three overall on the big board, behind only Trevor Lawrence and Penny Sewell, the offensive tackle from Oregon, just Justin Fields was at number three, and he'll probably remain up there. What happens in the offseason when we get into offseason conditioning, combine, private workouts, test scores, things of that nature? Does he close the gap? Can, can he close the gap based on some of those things? Answer your question, King. No. No, there's no close. There, there's no there's no gap to close. There's no overtaking Trevor Lawrence. So I think that that discussion is done. Okay, so let's eliminate that from the equation. Trevor Lawrence is going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Make no that's the pit. Then you figure if you are the Jets, Sam Darnold is your guy, right? So if Sam Darnold's your guy, then you can say, okay, that second pick could represent Justin Fields, could represent Penny Sewell for the Cincinnati Bengals. They're picking at five. They need Sewell desperately. The Bengals do. So 
so you can entice them to move up to two. If Atlanta or Detroit or New England, wherever it may be, wants Justin Fields, you can entice them to move up to two. So I think the Fields soul situation, because they're, you know, they're, the, they're the elite guys right up there with Trevor. Those are the two elite guys. They have Sam Darnold, though. They have Mekhi Becton. Could they elect to move off of that second pick and let somebody else get a soul, which would be the Bengals, or let somebody else get uh, Justin Fields? That's the options that they have. Mel, how about the Eagles? How significant is it for them that they move from the ninth pick to the sixth pick in the draft? That's a great question, Jay. I think uh, yeah, I think that's something where you look at where they are at six. You know, Micah Parsons is now in the discussion at six. At nine, you probably don't get the linebacker from Penn State. So I think the defensive help. I don't think there's a corner. Patrick Sertan the second. Uh, Caleb Farley, Virginia Tech, who opted out this year, maybe a little high at that point at six. But Micah Parsons now, I think, gets into the discussion. The linebacker from Penn State, where at nine you wouldn't have gotten him. But now, I don't agree with the way they handle Jalen Hurts. I want Jalen Hurts out there to play three through a 7-for-20 game. Uh, he got a couple touchdowns on the board. I, why they didn't kick that field goal at the end of the third quarter to make it 17-17 on fourth and goal from the five is beyond me. But you let your young quarterback play through that and go into the offseason in a different frame of mind than sitting there watching Nate Sudfeld take the last snap of the year for the Philadelphia Eagles. That was handled ridiculously bad. I mean, that, that was horrible the way that was handled, in my opinion. A lot of other opinions, fine. But I was sitting there thinking, you got to be kidding me. So again, I think when the Eagles going from 6-9, fine. Now they're up from nine to six, they're fine. Okay, that gets them Parsons, but at the end of the day, who's going to be their quarterback? I still think it's Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts is an accent piece. We'll see how it plays out. Mm. Let me ask you this, Mel, 30 seconds, because I know you got to run. Sure. Do you still think that Daniel Jones is the quarterback of the New York Giants, or will they look at those other three or four quarterbacks if they're on the board? Absolutely not. I, I, I believe he is the guy. You know, he was banged up at the end of the year. He didn't have the mobility. He showed when he went Danny Dimes for a reason. Uh, he's a smart kid. He's still very young. Uh, they got to get that offensive line fixed. They got to get Evan Ingram to catch the football. When you hit him in the face mask, key, you catch the ball, right? Yeah. Ball didn't go through your hands. It's in face mask and result in interceptions or it can cost you games. So get Ingram, Ingram to be consistent and fix that offensive line. Get Barkley back, and I think Daniel Jones will be a, a winning quarterback in this league. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to hear Mel talk. Hopefully in person, April 29th in Cleveland, where the 2021 NFL Draft is scheduled to be. But obviously in the world we're living in, let's just cross our fingers and hope we can get there and get back to an old semblance of the NFL Draft. Mel, thank you so much. We'll Thanks continue lot, to Mel. monitor the big board. Happy Thanks, New Year, guys. You guys do a great job. Take care, man. Right. Thank you. That's Mel Kuyper Jr. And how about that? Real quick key. Wentz is the guy. Hertz is the accent piece. Very interesting. Well, Very I mean, interesting. They got to figure that out, not me. Yes. They got to figure that out, right? So far, they have not had any answers for Executive Vice President Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson, though the latter will return. The question is, will Wentz return with them? A reminder, we're presented by Progressive Insurance, and you can hear the Heisman announcement tonight. Again, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio. You can watch it on ESPN Television as well. Home Depot College Football Awards for more hardware Thursday night. On the way... Adam Silver's done everything right as the NBA commissioner, but there's one thing he's done that was well-intentioned, really well-intentioned, that has just fallen flat. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, 
Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. I wish you could be here during the break. Key and Stephen A. are going at it over Doug Peterson and Joe Judge. And Stephen A. will talk about it on First Take, 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN. 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio. It'll be Greeny, his first day following us, Pat McAfee and Bruce Arians among his first day guests. Before I let you go... This is something that I want to get Jay's opinion on, obviously being so invested in following the NBA the way that he does. I just want to look at this from a fan perspective. Key, you're a ride-or-die Laker fan. That's right. So when Kevin Durant decided to shock the NBA world and leave the Oklahoma City Thunder to join the Golden State Warriors, Adam Silver and the NBA said, what can we do to try to keep some of these superstars, not in the city they were drafted, but maybe just keep them where they are, equilibrium of the league, just try to keep guys. Not everybody needs to play in New York or Miami. What can we do to entice these guys? So they came up with the Supermax, and it sounds like exactly what it sounds like. We'll give you a maximum amount of money, and then we'll give you an amount of money that is so over the top, we will, <laughs> you can't possibly not stay here. There have been six players in the history of the NBA, in the very short history of the Supermax, that have signed a Supermax deal. Russell Westbrook, James Harden, John Wall, Giannis, Steph, Lillard. That's it. Those are the six guys in the history of the short history of the Supermax that have signed with, once again, the idea being give them such an exorbitant amount of money that they can't possibly not sign. Here's my problem with this, Jay, and I want to just get your thoughts for it. Half of those six guys have either been traded or are asking for a trade. Obviously, that would be Westbrook and Wall and Harden is going to be on the move at some point. What does it say to you as a guy that follows the league this close that it was a well-intentioned move by Silver, but 50% of the guys that have signed deals to keep them in their city are either gone or will soon be gone? What do you think about that? Well, let's go through it, Zubin. So John Wall got injured. That was hurt for John Wall. Giannis is actually staying in his market, and he's trying to recruit players to a degree, to Milwaukee to come join him, not to go somewhere else. Dame has chosen to stay in Portland. It's the same. He's going to ride that out, even though people are always wondering whether he'll become a Laker or a Clipper, if that will inevitably happen, if we will get tired at the way they're trying to build around him in Portland, even though I think they're going to have a great year. Steph is still on Golden State. He's still there at Golden State. Now, they were able to bring KD when he was there along with Klay Thompson. But before Klay Thompson got hurt, uh, they were apt to be in a position to win this game, uh, to win this year. And, and Russ has had some issues in OKC. Time was over in OKC wanting to get joined back up with Harden. I, I still like the Supermax idea. It comes down to in those smaller markets. So it, can, you, can you build around? Can you bring other big, talented players to smaller markets? And that's a question we're always going to ask as it relates to being in those type of cities. No, it, it, it's great. And Jay hit on it right there. He said that he likes it. I like it, too, because when you think about it, it, it just look at the cities, though. 
There's nothing. Portland's a cool little town, little city going through some issues right now, but yeah. it's on the West Coast. It's cool. You talk about Oakland, San Francisco. You talk about winning ways in Golden State. Giannis is the type of personality that Milwaukee fits him. He's trying to recruit players there. John Wall in Washington, he was hurt. He was at the end. I mean, he was there, but so they decided to move on from him. Westbrook tried his best to do as much as he could in OKC. It just ran out of time. They ran out of love. The coach isn't there anymore. They moved players in and out. He moved on to Houston. Now he moves on to Washington. So it's worked. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, and now you got uh, AD. Did AD sign the Supermax? No. No, he, had, he did not sign a Supermax. But essentially, he re-signed with the Lakers in a big market. So it's kind of, I think from a maximum dollar standpoint, it's certainly working. And, and look at the, the swap, essentially, Zubin, too. You had John Wall, who was a Supermax, and you have Russell Westbrook, who found his way to D.C. to play with Bradley Bill. So an, a Supermax swap to a degree. Indeed. Dollar for dollar. Got to make those work. And there's only so many contracts that are of that length. Interesting perspective. I'm glad I got both of you to weigh in on that. I'm going to do this at my own peril. We've Uh-oh. got a little bit of breaking news here on the Doug Peterson situation. Oh, I, oh. I'm going to regret this. I'm going to regret this. But according to the Philadelphia Inquirer in a story published this morning, two defensive players on the Eagles, obviously, had to be held back. From, a part, from approaching Peterson after making the decision to go from Hertz to Sudfeld. The Inquirer story said, quote, Hertz was distraught. And you could actually read lips on NBC Sunday night when the swap happened. No, you could. <laughs> you could hear Hertz saying, quote, that's not right. So in our final few minutes here, um, the idea that a couple of players on the team had to be held back, restrained from going after Doug I love Peterson. the way you said restrained. Restrained. Yeah, going make after it Doug. newsworthy. No, uh, I get players. All players want to win and play. But I also understand from an organizational standpoint, if the intent was to go from nine to six, I understand why they did it. I totally do. But I also understand players want to play. Jay, what do you think about this? Oh, um, look, I... It, Key's not gonna Key's not gonna bend on this. Obviously, um, my only thing is that if you are going to move from nine to six, if you have leaders on that team, I don't understand the reasoning behind not communicating to them that this is our intent before the game. I don't understand why you would let guys play three quarters and then all of a sudden make a decision to say, "Hey." We're just going to take this game right now. And I, I think all these – and I know this fact. I have a friend who's on the team. Um, I know guys who are pissed off in that locker room. And I know – like I, that's just not the way from a leadership perspective. And I know that you're going to have different sub opinions on this. I wouldn't lead my team that way. I, w- I would let my star players before a game understand what our intent or what our strategy was before the game has occurred. And that's where I keep going back to the way Doug Peterson has handled a lot of these scenarios – has been pretty uh, embarrassing for this franchise. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know who he told, how he told them, or what the case is. But for the most part, every time I've ever had to sit out, coaches did tell us. But again, I understand why that they did what they did. Now, whether his communication skills are bad, Jay Will, that that ain't for me to judge. I I don't care. I don't I don't care that he has bad communication skills. He has to answer that to his team, and he has to answer that to the media. And if he decides that he doesn't want to tell the media why he took that approach, so be it. 
Yeah, Key, I, I think you and I are on the same page about, look, this strategy is smart. Uh, we just talked to Mel Kuyper moving from nine to six. I think it is a smart move. But the way you go about that smart move, I think, is pretty important. And uh, the process and how you get to the end point is important. And I think the process was just handled very poorly. Did he do it on his own? Was he out there and just did it on his own and decided to do it? Or did the organization know about it and how he rolls in the rest of them? Let me quote from the piece. It's a great question you bring up. Quote from Jeff McLean's piece in the Inquirer. Quote, some Eagle staffers still weren't sure what was behind Peterson's decision a day later if he was under orders from owner Jeffrey Lurie and or general manager Howie Roseman, although most speculated that it was most likely related to draft position the Eagles will have the number six overall draft pick rather than the number nine pick had they won. They're going to draft a bum now. Watch. Bad karma. (laughs) (laughs) On the way on many of these ESPN radio affiliates, it's Greeny with Pat McAfee and Bruce Arians, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast.